Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. It's great to welcome back Derek Boylan for another focus session in our series. This time we're talking about uh, fun and romance in relationships. Derek, I'm uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too, uh, David. I think we spend so much time talking about the problems and the issues in relationships. It's nice to talk about some of the positives too. Yeah, and and as we know, uh, things can go wrong and we'll talk about all of that. But uh, fun and romance really integral uh, to any relationship. Uh, and when we think about what it takes to build a strong and lasting family relationship or with couples, we often focus on trust, honesty, loyalty, those sorts of things, which are vitally important. But Derek, that's not always the be-all and end-all. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, I think in my area of work uh, as a counsellor, we spend so much time working on fixing issues that we can really sort of easily forget that the that the whole purpose is meaningful, fulfilling relationships and that, uh, and that a fulfilling, meaningful relationship is more than just the absence of problems. It's more than just the absence of issues. There's a lot that goes into making those relationships rewarding and fulfilling and meaningful too. Uh, the old adage always sort of stands out for me, I think, there, that a woman gets married hoping her husband will change and a man gets married hoping that she never will. Yeah. And, uh, and But the reality is we are always constantly changing and growing. And so what it means is that there's always opportunities to discover new ways of connecting and, and uh, finding meaning and fulfillment in our relationships. Yeah, no, that's right. And it's true to say an essential part of a, a meaningful relationship includes fun, humour and laughter. I, I would have thought they were uh, paramount, paramount as well. Definitely. Uh, it's funny, a moment ago, you uh, you mentioned honesty and trust and loyalty in uh, relationships. And I think often when people think about and whenever I ask couples about, um, you know, what do they think it takes to build a really fulfilling, meaningful, lasting marriage? You know, they often talk about, I guess, the, you know, I kind of refer to them as the, the big guns of relationships, you know, honesty, trust, loyalty, for, you know, respect and those sorts of things. Um, you know, as the as the important qualities that go into building uh, a healthy, fulfilling relationship. And when we think of things like fun and humor and, and laughter, they almost seem uh, maybe a, a bit silly or frivolous, you know, yeah. compared to those uh, other qualities. However, one of the things I've got to say in my research with uh, couples who've been married for very, very long periods of time, 55 or more years, one thing I can definitely tell you about those couples is that they don't say to me, Oh, Derek, it was all very serious. We paid our mortgage and we educated our children. I mean, they had fun and they laughed and they had tickles and there were adventures and they went on picnics and they had pet names and uh, and uh, little quirky things that they would do in their relationship. You know, they had a, a marriage that was filled with fun and laughter and humor as well. It's uh, Well, it might sound a bit frivolous. It's an essential quality to a happy, fulfilling marriage. It's really important that couples work on those things. Does that mean a couple have to have a similar sense of humor or is that not necessarily the case? 
Look, I think sometimes having a similar sense of humor helps, and at other times, it's kind of good having a sort of compliment, uh, complementarity around that too. Uh, certainly in our family, uh, there are the teasers and the teasies, and there's a clear delineation between which camp is which. Uh, you know, we're a bit of a family of teasers, and uh, and we like to sort of have a bit of a, a bit of a poke and a bit of fun at times, and uh, and 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 it's great, and it brings a lot of joy. I can say that as one of the teasers, but uh, but we always have to keep that in moderation as well, and and respect the fact that well, the other person's sense of humour might not be quite the same as mine, and I do have to be sensitive at times to that. Two, yeah, exactly. That's that's so true. Do you think couples put enough time and energy into their romance, especially after being together for some years? Do you think complacency can be an issue? Yeah, I think complacency does become an issue for a lot of relationships. Um, you know, when we think back to the first early stages of a relationship. You know, they did uh, all sorts of exciting things. You know, they went on dates and there were flowers and there were nice words and there was hugs and kisses and surprises and gifts and cuddles and, you know, and it was all very romantic. And uh, and then, you know, after a number of years, that sort of becomes Valentine's Day, yes. you know, or your birthday. And uh, and what the research tells us, actually, is that's not enough. It's, uh, it's not even close to being enough. In fact, um, uh, John Gottman and his research he found that actually in the really healthy, strong, fulfilling marriages, that the ratio of positives to negatives in those relationships on any given day was around about five to one. So there's about five times as much positive things that those couples were doing in the healthy relationships uh, than the negative things. For every time there's a negative word, there are five compliments or five kind words that are said. For every time they turn away from one another, there's five hugs or cuddles or, or kisses that go into building that relationship. And, uh, and I guess what we have to realize is that, you know, keeping romance alive is a choice. You know, it's a decision. Um, it's about recognizing that, that love is a choice and to love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. Um, you know, for Karen and I, when we uh, stood at that altar on our wedding day, you know, it was loving feelings that got us that far, you know, feeling connected and close and wanting to make this forever. But on that day, we made a decision. We made a choice that uh, that we would love one another in good times and in bad and sickness and in health. And so I guess what Gottman really realized is that those uh, couples who really have the really strong, lasting, sort of fulfilling marriages, they do actually make romance and they make fun and they make humor and intentional choice in their relationships, even when they don't feel like it. You know, that when they have had a long day and they're tired and they're on their way home and they've got to get petrol and there's two for one Mars bars, they get home and they go, surprise, I got you a Mars bar because I love you because I care about you. You know, if they've had a long day and their feet are weary and tired and they're sitting on the couch watching TV and their, their partner comes and sits down next to them, they say, put your feet up. I'll give you a foot massage, you know, because I love mm. you. That they, they don't just leave it to chance. And they don't just leave it to loving feelings. They really make the active choice, especially when they don't feel like it, to still to still to do the things that protect love in their relationships. Yeah, and romance in a, a relationship doesn't necessarily mean taking your uh, wife partner out to dinner every Saturday night or bringing home flowers every Monday. It can be just the little things, as you said. Yeah, I think some of our, especially when our kids were little, some of our best date nights were get the little ones to bed, order pizza, get a bottle of wine, and sit on the lounge room floor and just watch a movie together yeah. and just enjoy a little bit of peace and quiet and and just do something that's nice that didn't involve us having to cook and uh, um, and just have a little bit of space that uh, romance doesn't always necessarily 
uh, look like, you know, a lot of money being spent. You know, it can actually be discovered sometimes in really small little ways as well. Uh, certainly, I find it, you know, really uh, an experience of romance for me in, in our home now is, and, and with the kids being older, is, you know, sometimes in the early morning, uh, I'll, I'll sit out, I'll go and sit in the, the patio and, uh, and do a little bit of reading. And Karen will just sometimes come out with a cup of coffee and just sit yeah. there. You know, we just have a cup of coffee together and talk about the day before we get started. And, you know, it's just, uh, I just feel so connected to her in that moment, you know, and it's just quiet outside without the noise of the kids inside. And it's just a moment of connection. Yeah. No, it's her presence there and just being together in a, at a quiet time. Mm, definitely. Are there some simple steps, Derek, that people can follow to bring the fun back into their romance? Perhaps if the fun has disappeared, and that can happen in any relationship, just some simple things that uh, people can do? Yeah, look, there are a couple of things that I think are really healthy for couples to do. One is to cultivate what uh, William Doherty refers to as loving rituals. So William Doherty is a, a researcher in the in the US, and he did a lot of research looking at different families, different family structures, and and couple relationships, and trying to determine what's the what's the real difference between um, families who have really strong, healthy uh, relationships and those ones who really struggle. And he noted that often on the outside, actually, they look very similar. But when you actually drill down and find out what do they do on a day-to-day -day basis, what he discovered is that in these really strong families where there is uh, a real sense of connection and spirit and fun and happiness um, is that they have cultivated what he refers to as loving rituals. Now, a loving ritual is <clears throat> kind of like a routine. It's something that they do over and over again in their daily life. So a routine for me, for instance, is in the morning, usually my alarm clock goes off at about sort of 5.30 in the morning and uh, and I put it on snooze and then it goes off again 10 minutes later and I put it on snooze again. And that happens about four or five times until Karen gives me a good kick and says, just would you get out of bed? See, <laughs> listening for the alarm clock go off. And then I get up and I make a cup of coffee and I go sit out on the in the patio and, and have a read and have my breakfast. And um, and that would be pretty, that's a routine that I would do every single you know day of my life. But uh, But the difference between a ritual and a routine is that it's like a routine, but it also has emotional significance, all right? So it's also emotionally important. So for me, that routine doesn't have any emotional significance. On a Saturday, if I can sleep in, I just sleep in and I don't miss getting up early. No. But with a loving ritual, it's like a routine, but it, so it happens regularly and in a set sort of a way, but it also has emotional meaning. So to give you an example of, of that, um, or a couple of examples of that, in the morning when I go to work, um, typically what will happen is I'll sort of call out to Karen and say, well, Karen, I'm, I'm going to head off to work. And Karen will almost always call out to the kids and say, kids, dad's going to work. And so by the time I get in the car to, to reverse out of the driveway, the kids and Karen have sort of come to the front door and they just sort of give me a wave, a wave and sometimes the little kids will try and race me down the street. <laughs> and um, and uh, and that's, that's nice and, I, you know, if I go to work. But occasionally... What will happen is Karen's really busy and she'll just she'll sort of say, look, do you mind if we don't come out today? I've, you know, I've got to, I'm trying to organize a few things. And I'll say, no, that's, that's fine. And on those days, you know, I reverse out of the driveway and all I see is just the closed front door of our house. Yes. And, uh, and the experience is that it's just emotionally flatter. Mm -hmm. You know, it just doesn't have the same, like I might not even notice it the days the kids come out. It's actually when they're not there that I notice it the most. So I kind of think, oh. You know, no one's here to sort of wave bye-bye to dad. And uh, and so what he noticed is that, what William Doherty noticed is that these families who have these strong loving connections, they have lots and lots of these rituals in day-to-day -day life that protect their relationships with one another. 
you know, one of the things I notice in counseling is that one of the first things to disappear is that couples just forget to kiss one another. You know, they forget to hug one yeah. another. Okay. Um, one of the things that, that Karen and I do on the weekend is whenever we drive anywhere, typically I do most of the driving. And so once we've got the kids in the car and we've both hopped in the car, almost always I will lean over and give Karen a kiss before we head off where we're going. And it's just a way of having a ritual that just ensures that we kiss one another. Yeah. You know, usually the kids are in the back going, gross, <laughs> mum and dad are kissing. <laughs> but I think deep down, little kids, if they know that their mum and dad kiss, they know their world's pretty oh, solid, absolutely. right, when they're at home. And, uh, and that's important. Very true. So I guess one of the first things that couples can work out how to do is, is to put these rituals in place that protect their love. And we can do that at dinner times in the kinds of things that we talk about. So in our house, I think I've shared before that we always, one of the first things we talk about in our home every evening when we have dinner is what was the best part of your day? What was the best thing that happened? You know, we just go yeah. around. We can have those rituals at, at bedtime, you know, and how we sort of kiss one another. We can have those rituals around how we greet one another at the end of a day when we first come home. Um, you know, I guess we, we, we fill with a life of stresses and difficulties. But there are some parts of our life that we do over and over and over again. You know, it's getting up in the morning, it's going to bed, it's sharing a meal with people we love, it's uh, it's going to work and coming home from work. And I kind of think it would be a bit sad for all of us if we got to the age of 80 and we looked back and we thought, you know what, amid all the stresses, I never really mastered the art of greeting the people that I love. Mm. I never really mastered the art of sharing with a meal with people I care about. And it's about working out these are rituals that happen over and over again. How do we really want them to look in our home? How do we want them to look in our family that protect love and connection? Yes. I guess the other thing that couples can do is, is really make time. You know, sometimes I hear couples say, oh, you know, we're struggling a bit. We need to find time. You know what? If your life gets anywhere near as busy as ours, you are never going to find time. Everyone is more than happy to take every second that you have available to give them that if you want time, you have to make time. You know, you've got to lock in date night. You know, it might be the first and third Tuesday of every month, you know, and that's the night we go on a date. We do things that are important for us and we, you know, we strengthen our relationship and we talk about things that are important and, uh, and you know, and we grow closer to one another. Um, you know, locking in that time is, uh, is really important and putting it in the diary. When we write things down, we become more committed to them. You know, if they're not written down, then when other competing priorities come up, we kind of go, oh, okay, well, maybe we could shuffle around and we could go on a date another night. You know, well, if your marriage is important, you know, if your relationship with your partner is important, lock that in, you know, put make that concrete and other things can work around that. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I mean, you've sort of part answered the next question, but uh, children uh, do place pressure on couples in all sorts of ways. And finding time uh, for more intimate moments with your partner can be a little more difficult. Any tips on what couples can do to make sure they set aside time for themselves, which is so important? You have mentioned some things there, but there might be some other things that you could also mention. Yeah. I mean, kids are always tricky because they're, kids are urgent, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, dirty nappies, they don't wait. Uh, you know, children who wake up in the middle of the night, they don't wait. And, uh, and so our marriage is often important, you know, and, and, uh, and our, with our partner. And, um, but it's often not, um, it's not urgent. And so it's easy to put those things on hold and, and, uh, and children are urgent. And so it's, uh, it's important to really prioritize our relationship. But a few things that, you know, that we found helpful, uh, one is, if you've got small children, get a Wiggles DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Wiggles DVD is going to give you one clear hour of freedom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just put it on, sit them in front of it. The Wiggles is pretty healthy uh, in terms of the, the programs that they've developed. And, uh, and it gives you a, as a couple just an hour to just sort of have some space and to talk and to connect and to, and to be able to, to be close to one another. 
And babysitters are also really important. And, uh, um, you know, if you've got uh, a family even uh, who are willing to sometimes take the kids and let you sort of get out of the house, uh, that's, uh, that's really healthy for relationships. If you've got older children, it's actually really important for them to see you prioritizing your relationship and even over them. I mean, their job isn't to stay in your home for the rest of their lives. Their job is to grow up and leave home and become the people that they're going to be. And so it's important for them to, and, and, and one day they're going to want to have meaningful relationships in their own lives. And so it's really important for them to see what, what does a, a loving couple do to prioritize their relationship? Um, you know, they might not always like it, right? They might, you know, think that they're they're more important, but it's actually being a really good role model to them, you know, because one day they're going to have to do that with their own children to say, you know what, hang on a minute, my relationship with mum or dad's really important and uh, and we're going to prioritise that. And it's good for them to learn that skill by seeing you model it. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. Sometimes sometimes Karen and I have a date night at home and so we have a, a room sort of next to our bedroom we use as a sort of a study and uh, and I will sometimes get the little table out and put a tablecloth on it and light a candle and put a rose there yeah. and uh, and I will uh, you know we might get takeaway or we, you know I might cook and and I just say to the kids do not come into yeah. this room mum and I are having a romantic meal and we're having it right here without you interrupting so you're going to have to work out how to solve your own problems for like, do they listen to you and that's not a bad thing for them do they sorry do they was that David? to you. About not coming in. They do pretty well. They okay. do pretty well. I think the first couple, you know, you've got to treat these things as an experiment, as I've said before. The first couple of times, you know, we'd get a few interruptions and that sort of stuff. But after that, they realized, you know what, mum and dad really don't want to be interrupted. They just want to be able to have just some quiet time to just chat and just, you know, be together as a couple. Yeah. And uh, and the older ones realize that that's actually not that hard to solve most of the little ones' problems. And so um, and so usually we, uh, or sometimes we'll wait till the little ones are in bed and we'll just have a slightly later dinner and, uh, and the older ones yeah. can you know, watch a movie or something and the two of us can have a bit of a yeah. day. But, uh, but it's actually really important for couples to do that, um, you know, and to recognize the signs that they're not getting enough time for one another as a couple in their relationship. You know, often when couples aren't getting enough time together, um, there are sort of certain warning signs that sort of start to show up in the relationship. You know, for Karen and I, uh, some examples would be that we start to get irritable with one another and, and irritable about nothing, you know, about little sure. things that just, you know, don't, you know, like, I don't know, you left the knife on the kitchen bench instead of putting it in the dishwasher. Like, you know, really? It's, yes. <laughs> it's not that big a deal, no. but but it sort of gets more irritable than, you, than it sort of deserves. Yeah. And, um, and so usually that's a sign for us that we're not really connecting and we might need to just have some time as a couple just to, you know, just to connect and gel. You know, a sign that I notice in myself is, um, is if I get caught up with um, point scoring. You know, sometimes couples can sure. do this where they kind of go, well, how many times have, have you done the dishes this week compared to how many times have I? How many times have you cooked dinner this week compared to me? How many times did you, you change the dirty nappy this weekend? And, and I guess in a, in a healthy marriage uh, relationship, we don't do things for the other person because it's our turn. No. You know, we do it for the other person because we love them. We care sure. about them. And so, uh, so I always know if I start to think a little bit that way, I kind of know, hang on a minute, we're not really connecting the way we should and we need to prioritise going on a date, doing something nice, talking about important things, uh, you know. And I think it's a skill for all couples to start to realise what are the signs that show up for us that say to us, you know what, we need to spend some time together, talk about some important things yeah. here. Well, it's a relationship. It's not about a competition, is it? I mean, you're in it together. And you're supposed to be on the same side. Mm. So, but you're right. I mean, the the little things can be uh, you can get irritated about little things if you're not totally connecting, and it can happen to anyone. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and when you go out for a date, you know, I kind of think all your dating life, you know, as a couple told you, when we go out for a date, we're there to have a good time. So <laughs> so you do sort of start to you immediately get into that mindset of, right, you know, what, we're here to eat, you know, enjoy the cheesecake and, the, you know, the cafe latte and, uh, and to actually do something nice for our relationship. And so it's... Uh, uh, you know, it's really important to just sort of get out of your house if you can and just have a cup of coffee, go for a walk even, uh, and do those things that just sort of bring a bit of joy back into your relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, Derek, let me take you back about 50 or 60 years. Barbara Cartland novels, they were romance novels, were very popular back in the day. She sold millions. Um, a lot of younger people now would never have heard of Barbara Cartland, but that's beside the point. Is there a 21st century equivalent that you could suggest? Yeah, look, uh, one of the, and I've got to say, this is a huge uh, level of growth for me in our relationship with Karen. Because, you know, in terms of, you know, I think about Barbara Cartland's romance novels, I think about romance movies. Right. And certainly romance movies are the, the highest grossing movies that get developed. But I am a, a guy who kind of likes his Star Wars and his, yeah, me too. you know, pirates and explosions yeah. and you know, all yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. And, uh, and whenever I want to sort of watch something like that, Karen sort of rolls her eyes, I really yeah. <laughs> And I sort of say to her, but unless it's got some explosions in it, like it's not that exciting. Yes. And uh, But I have come to appreciate uh, romance movies more. And uh, at every now and then, you know, if Karen, uh, like a good example would be last night, um, we uh, we just chilled in. I think uh, I can't remember what uh, movie it was that Karen had started to watch. I went out to pick up some things and I came back and uh, and the little kids were in bed and and Karen was watching, uh, I think Never Been Kissed or something like that was the, the name of the movie. And, uh, and I thought, oh, uh, I'll just sit down <laughs> with her. And, uh, and, you know, actually it was really great. You know, like yeah. I think... Um, while I am a sort of a more of a, an action kind of a, a movie guy, there is something really important actually about uh, together as a couple, watching a comedy, watching a romance, you know, uh, you know, those movies are designed to release the endorphins yeah. and the, the serotonin and the feel good sort of emotions and those sorts of yeah. things. And, uh, and that's healthy for relationships and it's healthy to do it as a, as a couple. So it might be a few of the guys that, uh, that are listening to this and that might need to kind of you know, suck it up and, and watch some of the romance movies. But it can do something, do wonders for a relationship to do that. Sure, absolutely. No, I think the, 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 the chick flicks are the ones too that uh, they're not my favourite necessarily. I prefer Star Wars and those sort of movies too. But uh, occasionally you, you can sit down and uh, get a bit out of those uh, movies. They, they can be a bit of fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's good to you know have new experiences. You know, that's how we grow new neural pathways and synapses. It's actually healthy for us to have experiences that are a little unfamiliar to what we typically would choose to to have. Quite right. <laughs> now, Derek, how important is it for couples to put a lot of time into planning fun times together uh, and as a family, whether it be going for a walk or to a nearby park, or stroll along the beach, or organising the next family holiday? Yeah, I think uh, one of the, the things that uh, we talked a bit about a moment ago was uh, the importance of making time instead of trying to rely on finding time. And one of the ways Karen and I do that is uh, is we, on a Monday morning when I get into work, I typically open up the, the calendar and I give Karen a ring and, and she gets the calendar out at home. And we just look over the next three weeks or so, around about three weeks we look at because it's uh, easy to sort of keep in mind what our priorities are. And, uh, and we always try to lock in a bit of time for us as a couple. So time that we're going to spend as a couple doing something that's just, you know, just rewarding and fulfilling to us and also time as a family. And we try to lock in some family time for all of us, the whole family. And uh, and I guess the rule that we put around it is that whatever it is that we do at that time is meant to serve no other purpose than to bring us joy. 
So if it's not going to be fun, we'll then we'll do something else. Yeah. Um, the whole point of it is to, as a family, have experiences where we just have joy and connection. You know, I don't want to look back, you know, 20 years from now and not have, you know, a lifetime of memories of enjoying time with my, my children and them enjoying time with me. You know, we really realized that we needed to prioritize that, lock that in, that, you know, it's not all about raising children isn't all about just making sure that they are responsible citizens in the world in the future. It's about uh, making sure that they're people who know how to bring joy into the world, make a difference in the lives of others. And they're going to learn how to do that within our own family. They're going to learn how to do that in the in, in probably the toughest environment possible, which is within yes, the family. Yeah. And that we need to prioritize that. Um, they're actually learning important life skills when we spend time with them, having fun and doing joyful things. Uh, a funny sort of experience Karen and I had a number of years ago was we got really stuck uh, on our weekends. We had a period for, I don't know, a couple of months where we really, our weekends were just miserable. And the reason they were miserable was because Karen had a list of about, you know, a hundred different things that needed doing around the house. And I would get to the weekend and I'd just be thinking, oh, I just want to, you know, it's been a long day at work. I just want to chill. I just want to do something fun. I just want to do something that's a no brainer that makes us happy. And I don't want to be working through this list of chores. Uh, and uh, and so uh, so I was a little bit resistant to that. And, and then when I did do some of the chores, it probably wasn't the things that were on the top of Karen's list. So it didn't kind of get the, the pat on the back that I was sort of looking <laughs> yeah. for either. And, um, and we weren't really having the fun either because I felt like because these things weren't getting done, I felt like I couldn't really ask for it. And even if we did, I know that we'd be sort of doing something fun, but Karen would be worrying about whether the things were getting done around the house or not. And so we just sat down one day and we just sort of said, you know, look, our weekends are miserable. We need to work out a better strategy, a better plan here for what we're going to do. And what we decided to do was on a, on a Thursday evening or a Friday is come up with just a little bit of a plan for our weekend. And the plan would include just two things. So the first thing was one thing that would get done around the house. So if nothing else happened, this is the thing that would occur and Karen would know something was happening and she'd feel good about that. And one thing that was served no other purpose than to just be fun and be relaxing and to bring us happiness. And uh, and immediately our weekends improved. Immediately our weekends were were fantastic. They made mm. just the, the effort to just have that little bit of a conversation about two things that are going to get done on the weekend um, uh, really made the huge difference. But the surprise for us was that what made me the happiest actually was not doing the fun thing. Even though that's what I was angling for, it, what I really discovered was actually that as I did the things that were really the most important to Karen, I felt good about that. I felt good about doing things that I knew brought her happiness. Yeah, And for Karen, what she found brought her the most joy was us as a family doing the things that were relaxing and fun. That because things were happening, she could allow herself to just enjoy the fun times and the relaxing times and to, and to do the things that you know just really brought joy to our relationship. And so it was this sort of funny irony that even though we were pushing for the opposite thing, where we discovered the happiness was in the was in the was in what our partner was looking yeah. for, and so I think um, you know families really do need to prioritize these things, uh, family and fun, and it's got to fit in with all the other demands of life as sure, well. Sure, Derek, we spoke about love maps in a recent session. What types of and I think you've mentioned a few already, but what types of loving rituals are, are out there for people? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we did talk about love maps. And I think, you know, that's a great way uh, to keep romance and happiness alive is to actually ask your partner about what keeps love alive for them, right? So uh, I had this uh, sort of a funny experience a number of, about well, a couple of years ago now, 
one of the habits I'm in, and I encourage everyone to get into this habit, is you're going to meet couples throughout your life who have just amazing, beautiful marriages. And you should get in the habit of just asking them what the secret is. Just say to them, you know, you guys are such a beautiful couple. What's the secret? You will hear all sorts of really great random advice. I mean, if they've been married for 30 or 40 years, there's probably something worth hearing there. And uh, and two years ago, I asked a, um, a couple that I know and that were about, you know, married about 30 years, you know, what's the secret? And uh, and these days, I don't hear a lot that's that's new that I haven't heard before. But uh, but she said something that I've never heard anywhere else. And I thought this was gold. She said, you know, from about the fifth year of their marriage, they started having what she refers to as the weekly interview. So the weekly interview they have on a, on a Sunday evening, so the very end of the week, and they sit down and for the last 25 years, it's been the same two questions every single week. And the first question is, when did you feel most loved by me this week? And so they just sort of think back over the week and, you know, if there was any time that, you know, they really kind of felt loved by their partner, they sort of, they just shared that experience. And how can I love you best in the coming week? And so she said, that's a, that's a very specific question. It's not a broad question like, mm. oh, you could be more patient. It was more like, you know what, I've got a meeting on Thursday morning. I'm a bit stressed and just be patient with me when it comes to next Thursday. And I thought, you know, companies spend billions of dollars in market research every single year. And we don't do that in our own families. You know, we don't think to ask, when do you feel loved by me? When do I get it right? You know, I really encourage couples, make the habit, a ritual of actually saying, you know, did I get it right this week? Yeah. You know, like, tell me when you really feel loved by me so I can do more of that, you know, in our relationship. And I can, and, and you can ask that of children, you know, when do I get it right? When do you feel really loved by me? You know, what children need is differs from child to child and, and in a couple relationships. And so I've been really curious and that's actually about love maps, right? As we ask that question, as we get curious about that question, we form our own internal map about what they need in order to feel loved by us. You know, we start to, to grow our map and be able to be able to better respond to their needs for, for love and for support. Now, I guess in terms of other rituals, um, you know, I just sort of think uh, having rituals around, uh, you know, um, you know, especially in family life, physical connection, the importance of hugs. Um, you know, there. I mean, you know, I guess in families we communicate with more than just words, and being able to, you know, extend a, a loving, you know, touch in some way, an arm around the shoulder or. A, or a hug that it, sometimes in, in, in ways that no words can really capture. It says, I care about you. I love you. I see you. You're important to me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, it sort of acknowledges love in, an, in a special way in the sense that um, what I love about Karen is not just the idea of Karen, right? Not just the, the concept of Karen in my mind. Yeah. What I love about Karen is the, is the very real physical presence of Karen. Yeah. You know, what I love about my children is not just the idea of my children, it's their real existence in the world, yeah. you know, their very manifestation. And so when we offer a hug or we offer a, a cuddle, you know, or just a loving touch, you know, it says, you know what, I, I love you, the real presence of you here in this world with me. And I think that's a powerful way of saying, you know, I care about you and I'm here and I see you. Yes. Very, very, very true. Uh, in closing, again, Derek, uh, perhaps some of the the main points that uh, you could go over again before we finish. Yeah, sure. So I guess uh, the key here is that you know that having romance and happiness and fun uh, and laughter in our relationships is a choice. You know, it's not something we should just rely on waiting till we have loving feelings. We need to make the choice of doing that and building those moments into our relationships intentionally. And one of the best ways to do that is creating loving rituals. You know, small parts of the day which make sure that we keep love alive, that it's factored into everyday life is the way that we greet one another um, so that we keep romance alive, we keep connection alive. 
and uh, and we uh, are able to communicate, you know, our deepest feelings um, of care and concern for the people that we love, and to make it a priority. You know, don't just leave it to chance. Don't allow um, you know the busyness of day to day life to get on top of things. You know, our marriage and family life is important. It's sometimes it's not urgent in the way that work is urgent. But, uh, but if we don't do anything and we allow marriage and family life to become urgent, that's a real problem. That's a real challenge. So we should be intentional about it all the time, uh, how to strengthen our families in that area, prioritizing fun and connection and romance. Excellent. Derek, in the next session, we're talking love languages. Now, I know even less about love languages than I did about love maps. Perhaps you could uh, briefly describe what, 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 what people can expect. Yeah, so it's a great flow on from this session because uh, love languages is a very specific way of really communicating in a powerful way to people uh, that we love them and we care about them in a way that they can be open to hearing and to understanding. And also we have our own needs for experiencing love. And so once we actually understand that in a deep way, we're better able to ask for what it is that we need in relationships too. So I'm looking forward to talking about love languages. It's very popular, uh, but there's some really great research behind it today as well. I can't wait either. Derek, good to talk to you again.